Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. Thank you again, Pastor Gary and Susan, for allowing us to come into your incredible church and stand behind your pulpit and bring just a little bit of our heart and a lot of bit of God's word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We honor you. Uh, we're here because we want more of you. There's other places we could have been on Sunday. I'm, I'm glad I'm in the house of the Lord. So, Father, as we have already sung and we prepared our heart, now when we go to your word, it's going to be able to make sense in my heart. And I'm going to be able to apply it to my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Thankful that you're here. We were here since uh, 94 when it started downtown 17th and Harney. And we left in 2008 to... Uh, Follow the Lord in building journey in Coeur d'Alene, and it's, it's, it's going great, and we love people, and we love you, and we're thankful we're here this morning. So let's bombs away. I got it. We got to get to God's word. This morning, um, I'm going to talk about authentic living. Uh, with so many beliefs, with so many denominations in our society, um, a question that we must ask ourselves is, am I a real Christian? Now, I'm not asking us to question our salvation. What I'm asking is that we are being challenged to look at our lives and see if they resemble what Christ would desire from us. What makes a person a real Christian? How does our personal life reflect what God expects of us. The Bible talks about true Christianity. Uh, and it comes from a choo-choo, a choo-choo, uh, a true change in our life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The new, the change that is different than before. A, a, a change that happened in, 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 in our lives, uh, when we accepted Christ. And it's, it's new. It's different. It's changed from that point on. What I did care about, I didn't care about so much anymore. The feelings I had weren't the same feelings anymore. Because God had created something new in me and in you. So the first thing we're going to look at is a righteous lifestyle. You can turn to Isaiah 64, verse 6. It says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind. So Webster defines righteousness as acting in accord with divine or moral law. And, and I love that definition because it does not say being perfect. 
because you and I will, can never get there. Until Jesus returns for us and we get to go home, then we are perfected. Until then, we struggle. <laughs> Until then, I have to act. There's, a, there's an onus on my part. Again, the definition, act in accord with divine law or moral law. We are to be righteous in Christ. When I was born again, then I need to act differently. I need to act in accord with divine or moral law. When I'm frustrated, when my wife and I have a discussion, I know you guys never have those. We have a discussion. And when we have a discussion, I need to act in accord in divine and immoral law towards her. Why? Because we are righteous in Christ Jesus. Acting would suggest that there is an effort on our part that is needed. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to act a certain way. This morning, uh, as, as Pastor Susan was talking, I was thinking to myself, even David, who is a masterful worship leader, he had to say, praise the Lord, I tell myself. Wait a minute. He, he was an incredible musician. He was incredible. He was, he was a man after God's own heart. And he himself had to say, praise the Lord, I tell myself. They're pushing my buttons. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. He had to tell himself to praise the Lord. And he had more of it in him than probably than I do. And he still had to remind himself, praise the Lord, I tell myself. It is something we have to do on purpose and intentional because the enemy does not want us to act in the divine or towards a moral law. Everything goes against that in our society, in our life, but you and I are called to be different. We are called to live authentic lives, not perfect by any means. But we should at least act towards the divine and moral law. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in acting in a divine and towards the moral law. Righteous. Righteousness is a pursuit. Before we were, uh, before we started a relationship with Jesus, we were unclean in the eyes of God. Even the good deeds we performed were like filthy rags, the word says. Now, to be honest about something here, the, the number one reason, reason Jesus came to earth was to pay the t penalty for our unrighteousness. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So when you and I receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are saved from the penalty of our sin. And maybe you're sitting here and you haven't done that yet. It's a great day to do that. Because we are saved from the penalty of our sin. 
When we realized that our sins were washed away, we should have felt a burden being lifted off our shoulders. And, and I, I, I remember that. I, I remember that when I got saved in 1992. I remember that. And I felt, I felt so free. And I felt, I still do. <laughs> I'm not saying, oh, that's gone. That's not what I'm saying. I felt so free when I first accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior because it was fresh and it was new and I didn't know nothing yet. I didn't know how to treat people nice yet. But a huge burden lifted off of all of our shoulders. And you, you know what? That never has to change. He's the burden lifter. Philippians 3, 9 says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost, lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that may again uh, gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteous which is from God by faith. So to be real Christians means that you and I need to pursue righteousness. You and I need to pursue and act according to divine and moral law. And everything out there is against that. Except for you and me. We need to stop justifying that it is my right. (laughs) We need to look at sin through the eyes of God rather than in the eyes of our own sinfulness. Seeing sin as God does will help enable us to live righteous lives. He can't look at it. He can't look upon sin. But thankfully, through Jesus Christ, he sees you and I as forgiven. Because he sees us through the eyes of Jesus. Righteous living. Then we have evangelical passion. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I'm going to step away for a second, because my opinion, I think, a non-evangelical Christian is an oxymoron. When Jesus left the earth, he gave all the Christians marching orders. Go and make disciples. It's not a pastor soapbox. It's what he said. This is God's instruction to every Christian. We are an evangelical church. We are evangelical people. Just as we need to be a real church. Representing the body of Christ. And what a great body of Christ you are. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. We need to be evangelical. If someone who shares, even evangelical is someone who shares the evangelical message. The gospel. The good news. Of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at a life of one of Jesus' disciples, Andrew. Andrew led his brother to faith in Jesus. There are four principles here that we can follow. Inviting people into relationship with Jesus. Let me read John 
chapter 1, 40 through 42. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. So first, there was one who heard. One who heard. One who heard what John had said. He had heard the gospel message. There were multitudes in that day who had not heard that message. There are many in your life that may have not heard that message or that have heard a milked down message of who Jesus is or a completely wrong message of who Jesus is. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And who shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it was one that heard. John's gospel was this, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is near. Behold, one is coming. So we have the same message today, except Christ has come and he's coming again. But hearing is not enough. So there's those that heard, and then, and then they followed. One who followed Jesus. Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Period. No other hoops. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Remember righteousness. The action in divine and moral law. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So Andrew not only heard what John had said about Jesus, but Andrew then followed Jesus. So many times we don't have a hearing problem, but we have a faith problem. Matthew 10, 38 and 39 says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm so glad that Jesus picked up the cross and took it to Golgotha. He didn't stop halfway and say, man, this is too much. This is too much, man. By the way, Troy's not worth it. I've had enough. I'm calling the 10,000 angels to come and help me with this. He went all the way. I have trouble letting go of some stuff. I have some trouble acting in divine and in the moral law. I don't think I'm alone. Look at what Andrew did. One who told about Jesus. And, you know, to be honest, the last 
thing sometimes uh, us as believers um, would do is sometimes tell people about Jesus. What possessed Andrew to do something so crazy like that? Well, he heard the message and the message compelled him to follow Jesus. Then he could tell. Believed in Christ and followed him. His encounter was so real that it totally changed his life. And I know his encounter in your life was so real because you're sitting here today. You're not at the gun range because you could be Friday. Friday, you get to do that. The encounter was so real that it totally and completely changed his life. He loved his brother Peter enough to tell him the good news about Jesus. Do we agree that Jesus is the only way to heaven? No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. No other way. Don't all roads, no, no, all roads don't lead to Jesus. The word says no one comes to the Father except through me. And those are red letters. It'd be Jesus' words. Who will tell? Preacher, evangelist, missionary, there's not enough. I mean, you could probably make an appointment and, and Mike and Teresa and, 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 and the team, Pastor Gary and Susan, they all can, they all can go and make an appointment at your job and tell the people there about Jesus. Their schedule is going to be full and they're going to miss somebody. But that's why we're plucked and we're put in specific places in our, in our life. The mentality is build it and they will come. And like I share, we shared over the weekend, that doesn't work. Just because you move to Coraline, you get a building and you open up a door and you say, okay, where are the throngs? The door is open. A door is open. They've got to come in. No. It's about relationships. It's about building. It's about going to them. It's about you going to work and being an example at your work and not talking bad about your boss and your employees say, your employees say, why are your, your, your people you work with saying, why aren't you bad mouthing Billy, Billy Bob? I'm working as unto the Lord. We have to go to them. The primary witness of the church is to be God's witness about Jesus. And we cannot say, I'm going to wait for somebody else because God's waiting on you and me. Because you are varsity. He doesn't want to call up junior varsity. He will. Because his plans, his plan will get taken care of. But the varsity plan is you. That's why you're at the job you're at. That's why you're in the neighborhood you're at. That's why you're in the church you're at. Because you're part of his, of his A-game plan. So it's our job to be God's witnesses about Jesus. And the first thing he did, the person he told, was the supermarket clerk. No. He told his brother. He did not have to go to Australia and say, oh, I just got to say, I've got to go to Mozambique and tell him about Jesus. The Lord used him in his sphere of influence. Started with his brother. The Lord wants to use you in your realm of influence. The influence that you have that nobody else does. 
in your family, at your job, in your neighborhood. Next, we're going to talk about an authentic walk. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3. And this is where I get convicted, so just play along with me. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. An authentic, genuine walk with God is the utmost importance. So Paul urges the church in Ephesus to live a life worthy of the calling. What calling? The calling of the family of God. Paul mentioned in Romans that we are no longer slaves to our sinful nature, but that we are slaves to righteousness. Slaves to acting in divine and moral law. We have been called into the family of God. We need to live like children of the king. Sometimes I think, I'll say, I, I thwart the message I'm trying to bring forth. Sometimes we go through life, and I know life stinks sometimes. I know it. But sometimes we walk around like we've been sucking pickles all day. I go to the first church and suck a pickle. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. It's deep, deep down me. I doubt whether you can even get there. Well, if you've seen what I've seen, you'd be tainted too. Well, and I need to sit myself, submit myself to Jesus a little bit more. I don't know about you, but, but uh, suck a pickle face isn't attractive to people. Man, I love being around her. She just drags me down so much. Wow. I love surrendering myself and just spending time with him because I feel terrible when I leave. Said no one ever. Most times I need to get Troy out of Troy and work on my relationship with Jesus. And get filled back up by the Holy Ghost. So more of Jesus comes out and less of the suck a pickle comes out. Oh, but... They know the right buttons to push. Oh boy. Well, then that's okay then. Jesus said, you know, you have to, you have to act, uh, in divine and moral law only when they don't touch, you know, push your buttons. Only when it's convenient and when you're not really frustrated, then it's okay. It's not just going through the motions. And all this is saying, part of authentic living, and I, and I love this song, we have to be okay with not being okay. We have to be okay with, you know what? I have, I have to, I have to work on my attitude. Sometimes I wake up and I'm grumpy and there's no reason for me to be grumpy. And I've got to get into my word because if I don't, I'm going to grump all day. And it's nobody's fault. It's not my wife's fault that she pushed a button. 
So in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, Apostle Paul writes letters inspired by the Holy Spirit to each of the seven churches uh, that uh, surrounded the area of Patmos Island. Of the seven churches, two of them were living authentic lives. The others were being horrible. They were not acting in divine or moral law. They were worshiping idols. They were doing the ungodly things. And he explains, and you can read all that in Revelation 2 on through 3. But there were two churches that um, were doing great. We're doing good. Revelation 3, 7. And the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. If you have, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So he tells the two churches how pleased he is of them. And he says to the other ones, in a couple of them, he says, y'all need to just repent. What he was saying simply was he's telling the five churches is that um, they were not living authentic lives for him, for Jesus. You were living the life that you want. You are living the life not worthy of your calling. Being in the family of God is what he's saying. You are not acting righteous. You are not acting in a divine or even looking unto the moral law. You're not living authentic Christian lives. You call yourselves believers, but you're not living the lives worthy of your calling. John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I know I'm, I'm talking to a, a great church. I know you guys love one another, but I'm just encouraging us to keep it in check. How about those that don't attend the church? How about family members that just rake on your last nerve? How about neighbors that put up a 20 foot high fence and, uh, are rude to you? The command of the master says that you love one another as I have loved you. Oh my gosh. He gave everything for you and me. And I would probably give everything to most people, except for them. Because they push my buttons. Oh, Jesus didn't mean them. When all I got rallied, he probably did. He commands it. It makes it one of the fundamental laws of his kingdom. It goes with the command of believing in Christ. It is the command of our ruler. He has the right to give law to us. The command of our redeemer. 
who gives the law in order to cure our spiritual diseases and prepares us for our eternal bliss. It was the second greatest commandment of the law of Moses. And it was also one of the greatest commandments of the New Testament of Christ, the new lawgiver. It is called a new commandment. The example of their savior is another argument of brotherly love, as I have loved you. Of all the instances of Christ's love to his disciples, which they had already experienced during their time, he went in and out and among them, he spoke kindly to them, to all of them, including Judas, whom he knew what would happen. Concerned himself heartily for them. I don't know about you, but Peter rakes on my last nerve. He instructed them. He cared for their their welfare. He counseled them. He comforted them. He prayed with them and for them. He vindicated them when they were accused. He took uh, their part when they were run down. I'll do it. He publicly owned them to be dearer to him than his mother, sister, or brother. He corrected them for what they did not get, yet compassionately bore with their feelings. He excused them. He made the best of them and passed by many an oversight of them. That's where I'm convicted. But if you know how they treated me, whoo, all I do is look at Jesus. Look how we treated him. So I'm convinced I could be a better representative of Jesus in my life. Because not only to did, did he do all that? But he laid down his life for them, for you and me. We must love this way because Christ has loved us this way. So as, as Pastor Gary was talking about the multitudes and I just uh, talking about loving uh, people in, in, in that portion of scripture he read when the multitudes came. What we have to understand before that is the disciples were done. It wasn't the first service. It was the 16th service of the day already. They wanted to go home and put their feet up. They were done with people. Have ever been done with people or is it just me? Yeah. Okay. They were done with people. And they said, Jesus, what are you going to do? Because we're going Chick-fil-A. What, what are you going to do with all this? He says, uh, what are you guys going to do? Now, wait a minute. I need a break. I'm, I need to go and get my uh, 12-hour nap in. And I need to get me some footage and some nothingage. I want to sit and do nothing. And they stayed. <laughs> and look what some, one of the... Most incredible miracles were with people that were tired and done and said, Jesus, I, we don't want to do this. I'm done. I know you are. What are you going to do? <laughs> you don't believe you heard me say. I'm done. 
I know, I know you are, but we got some more work to do. But I, I don't believe you heard me. I'm done. It's amazing what God can do when I, I get out of my flesh and I uh, do it as unto him and I say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. That probably wouldn't have happened if the disciples said, tag, you're it. We're gone. Call Uber. We're out of here. The reputation that follows our love is seen in John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And it all goes back to what we talked about, you know, probably all weekend. It's about relationships. It's about building relationships. It's about walking through, through things with people. And honestly, them seeing me at my worst, because my wife is the first to see that. And, and we are, we are evident of that at Journey too. I, 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 I'm nothing special. In fact, there's probably all of you can do, come up here and, and uh, do a better job than I'm doing. But our reputation by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If I live a, 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 an authentic, righteous life, not being perfect, but living in accord to divine, acting in accord and divine moral law. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. Praise. My wife isn't out to get me. I'm, sometimes we have to tell ourselves that. Your spouse is your number one fan. Even if they wear, wear different colors someday. Of another team. Just kidding. Not only have love, but show love. But have it in the root and have it and have it uh, when there is, uh, when we're done and we don't want to do it. Because what's great is when I am weak, he is strong. And what our tendency is when I am weak, I'm not doing nothing. When I'm tired, I'm tired. Period. I'm done. And he says, but you got a little bit more of me in you yet, don't you? I know she done there pushed it all out. Every button. Because when we step out of our own flesh, God shows up. He will appear. And a little boy's lunch shows up and the multitudes are fed with baskets and baskets left over. Eventually they got to take a nap. They got to rest. But God had a job for them. Jesus, Jesus wasn't done with them yet. Being real Christians is what people are thriving for. I am not perfect. I am, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to uh, probably treat you poorly someday. You're going to need me to probably say something kind and I'm going to be done. But that's when we are authentic and we say, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. It is, uh, I completely have to submit myself here. And I, I, I repent to my Lord and Savior. Because when this is right, then this is going to get right. Real Christianity depends on us being real. Yes, acting in divine and on the moral law, but also saying, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I don't know how I'm going to get past this obstacle in my life. There's a huge speed bump and, and uh, I got no rubber on my tires. Are we spiteful? Are we backbiting? Are we quarrelsome? Are we unforgiving? Well, they got themselves into this mess. They can sure get themselves out. Jesus died on the cross, so I just need to look to him and he gets me out. The true sign of a real Christian is the love that you and I show other people. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Once we care, once we love on, once we become real with them, then they're going to say, hey, that's going to open up a whole other conversation. That's why you are the you are the best person to reach them at your job, in your neighborhood, because you're the closest to them. And they're going to see your life. They're going to see you acting in divine and towards the moral law. A true sign of a real Christian is the love that we show to one another. And it's easy to love those that we like. That's, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. The one that has the finger for the buttons, that's the problem. And that's where our focus needs to be. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. So this morning, what, and I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bullseye, what do we need to improve on in our lives? How can I look at the righteousness I'm supposed to be living in and what I'm actually doing? Do my, does my, do my lips match my steps? Am I, am I authentic? You know what? I do struggle with this. I have a problem with this. But through, through submitting to Jesus and the brothers in the house or the women in the house, if you're a woman, then, then, uh, we can keep each other accountable and love one another because the unity of the spirit is what the word says. Keeping the unity of the spirit in peace. You know what? I've realized that um, we're going to be with each other the rest of our life. So we better love each other here. Because you're going to see me all of eternity. Praise Jesus. Are we living a righteous lifestyle? Are we, are we acting in divine and moral law? Do we have evangelical passion? Are we speaking to the people in our sphere, our realm of influence, about the goodness of God? What he's done in my life and how he is no respecter of persons. He can do that in yours also. 
Am I walking authentic? Do my, do my lips match my steps? Do what I know has what I do? What is what I know dropped to my heart? And in those rough times when I want to say, I don't want to do it. Jesus, how, what are you going to do with all this? We're going home. We can dig down and say that you were called for such a time as this. Loving our brothers and sisters. Are we bearing with one another? Are we forgiving each other? Bearing with one another means uh, coming up under each other. If you see someone having a problem, don't, we don't look at them at a distance and say, well, I hope they figure it out. Wow. I hope, I hope it turns out okay. Being authentic, and I appreciate, um, Pastor Gary and Susan so much. Being authentic when somebody comes at a, at, to you with a, with a prayer request and the common pat answer is, oh, I'll pray for you. And then guess what? You and I go home and we have great intentions. We have great intentions. And, th- and this happened this morning. I was with Pastor Gary. He's back there. And we prayed for the gentleman. He prayed for the gentleman. I thought, I love that. The Lord convicted me that about three or four years ago that, that Troy, you say it and a lot of times you do it, but do it right then and there. That's authentic living. Well, will you remember my, will you remember my, uh, my, uh, my marriage the next time you pray? Let, let me pray for you right now. That's authentic living. And maybe you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Best choice that I ever made. And he's knocking on the door. He wants to welcome you into his family. And as we close this morning, uh, we would like to open up the altars. Maybe you're dealing with something. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you say, I don't know how I'm going to keep my head above water through this. That's how we can be authentic this morning and pray for one another. Lift each other up. Bear with one another. Because there's going to be a time when I'm going to come to you and say, I need you to pray for me. As we keep unity together, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we exalt you. We magnify you. We honor you. We thank you that we can be called uh, the family of God. Thank you that we can, uh, uh, accept, when we accept Jesus Christ, our personal Lord, Savior, we know that we're saved and we know we are directly going to heaven. And we, 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 we are thankful for that. But Father, help us to live authentic lives that act in according to the divine and moral law. Convict our hearts if there's areas in our life when we are not acting in divine and on the moral law. Help me to get over myself and say it's not about me, it's about everybody else. When I worry about you and you worry about them and they worry about me, we're all taken care of. We're bearing with one another and we are uh, lifting each other's burdens and we are loving our brothers and sisters as Christ has loved us. We love you this morning. Have your way in Jesus name we pray. Amen.